Blog Talk Radio. Witches. I am your host, Raina Star. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show, so bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This is not the show for you, but you know it is, because that's why you tuned in in the first place. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one herself, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs and as I told you last week, she is taking pre-orders for the 2024 Home Blessing Ornament. And you know your Auntie Raina always tells you, buy your balls and pears. It's just appropriate. You don't have to, but that's what I do. Anyway, they're the annual Home Blessing Balls for the new year. Super excited. Already ordered mine. You better also while they're still available. Check out WickedWitchStudios.com. The link is on her Facebook page. And it is the only link to get to those 2024 Home Blessing ornaments because she's not offering them to the general public, only her loyal fans. So get on it, folks. All right. With me is my guest today, wonderful author and good friend, Lisa McSherry. Hey, sweetie. (laughs) Hello there. Oh, my gosh. So I was teasing her last year, and I, after we got off the air last year, because it's been about a year since we spoke, I said to her, so i got to rebook you because you're going to have a new book next year. And she was like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I got an email that says, guess, guess what? <laughs> you were right. <laughs> I was so That's happy. right. I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. But today's topic is really fascinating, and it's really cool. So let's get into it. So you've written a book. Well, you know what? Let Before we get into the book, we'll get into the book in a minute. But I haven't talked to you in almost a year. What has been happening? Catch me up on stuff. What's going on in Portugal? <laughs> Have you been doing other traveling? How's everything going? <laughs> Well, and then the whole hour (laughs) just goes by. No, no, no. It's been great. Um, You know, when we when we talked last year, for those of you who weren't here, um, it's kind of fun if you want to go back and listen to that episode because I had just been uh, talking about how I just moved to Portugal. I'd been there about a year. Uh, I'm still in Portugal now. Two years later, I'm actually coming up on my two year anniversary uh, in about two weeks, actually, and uh, it's. It has been amazing and wonderful and continues to be the journey of a lifetime. Uh, It continues to be the second or third best decision I've ever made in my life, uh, which is pretty good. And, uh, and yeah, and I'm really loving it. Uh, As for what's going on in Portugal, the hot news right now is our prime minister just resigned because he's been, uh, he was under investigation for fraud. So wow. it's, it's on everybody's wow. conversation right now. Yeah. 
Um, and, and actually his resigning sort of has left the country in a little bit of a constitutional crisis, which the president is attempting to address. It's, it's fascinating to watch someone else's politics, um, you know, knowing that it's going to affect us, but actually watching it play out and, and, um, and seeing what's happening all in another language, which adds wow. a whole other level of interest for it. Yes. Uh, so that's what's going on in Portugal right now, which <laughs> makes me giggle when you ask me so, that. It's like, ooh, well, actually. Well, I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got to know: is Portugal starting to lean more right, like so much of the rest of the world, or is it, is it less leaning? Like, what, what are they middle of the road? What's going on there? What I. Yeah. So from from an American perspective, Portugal is is absolutely phenomenally liberal. Um, from Portugal's perspective, um, they're not. They would call themselves um, uh, Democrats, parliamentary Democrats, I think is the term. Uh, there's something like 15 different voting parties. You know, there's, I mean, there's literally a party that only cares about, um, you know, natural resources and, and saving the environment. It's the nature party, quite literally. Um, there is a party for what in America we would call the, the far right, um, white supremacists, basically. They're called the Shega party. They're probably 4 or 5% uh, of the votes, which is sort of still dismayingly a large number. But there's 15 parties. They're not going to get anywhere near... Uh, to anything resembling power for quite a long time. Uh, and actually, one of the more interesting things I think about Portugal is that it's a, a country that is, well, I mean, it's a Catholic country. Literally, it's, it was, yeah. I mean, it was founded by the Romans, but then got turned over to the Catholics, you know, a thousand years ago, 1,500 years ago, some ridiculously large number um, and yet, and so, for example, we get public holidays for high holy days in the Catholic Church, like August 15th, which is the Annunciation of Mary. Um, of course, we get Christmas Day off, um, you know, and, and various other um, Catholic holidays through the year are public holidays. But when it comes to actually talking about religion or voting for religious things, that doesn't happen. Portugal, for example, has had legalized abortion since 1997. Um, wow. Period. End of story. Yeah, no questions asked. Wow. You go in, you say, "I need an abortion." They they take care of it. Um, yeah, they for all that their medicine is socialized, it's not uh, politicized, and it's it doesn't go along religious lines. And in fact, socially speaking, you don't talk about religion publicly. That's, that's rude. Right. Um, you know, just like as a society. So it's actually kind of nice for people who aren't Catholic because it kind of just doesn't ever yeah. come up. Um, unless, unless you want to make it, you want to take a day off to celebrate Rosh Hashanah. You want to take a day off to celebrate the solstice. You're taking a day off. They don't care. Um, no one wow. makes a big deal about it. It's, it's really quite lovely. And, and so very excitingly, I just recently learned, I haven't yet had time to make contact with them. Uh, mostly, actually, I think I have, to, I have to really work on my language skills. 
Um, there is a huge Druid population uh, in a, a, a few hours south of where I am in Portugal wow. um, that harkens back, yes, because because the <laughs> um, uh, they're Reconstructionists and what they're looking at is this, the huge Celtic population that moved to Portugal you know, 2,000 years ago, 1,800 years ago. The, the numbers are amazing for me. I'm, I will always get them wrong. Um, but, yeah, there's there's actually a, a big Reconstruction uh, uh, community here, and they, they celebrate all the all, all the high holy days, if you will, in the pagan calendar, and they do outreach, and they do a conference. Uh, and I learned about it through um, the organizer of the Scottish Goddess Conference, who I spoke at just at the beginning of the month, actually. And she, she was like, do you know about them? And I was like, oh, no, let me write it down. <laughs> wow. That blows me away. Yeah. Completely. It, it, it blows me away, too. It's, it, it was, it's really like uh, I thought I was, you know, going to be hiding out here. But as it turns out, no, I'm, I'm just one of several people. It's, it's, for anyone who's listening in, it's the Lusitana uh, Druid Association. And it's Lusitania is what this island or this part of the world was called back in its founding. And don't ask me any more because now you're getting into history I don't know yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope you have room at your house yeah. for me and my husband because we, we may be moving in. <laughs> oh. As you know. Sounds well, great. You can at least stay here for a while. <laughs> okay, at least mm-hmm. help us get on our feet because, quite frankly, if Trump becomes president again, I'm all an ass the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. I hear you. <laughs> I really do. It's- it's just insane uh, to me. But, that anyway, half of but on top of that, actually, is just crazy. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was no, just no, saying no. It's, it's uh, just crazy. Yeah. yeah, that you even have to think about it. And you yeah. can stop right there because it's that's just a long, yeah. winding, dull road to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is. I do. Uh, Otherwise, and it kind of links around into the topic of the book a little bit, I have actually been doing a ton of traveling. It's been really exciting to be so close to such a part of the world that I love. Um, And ironically, I actually just finished uh, a five-week journey through North America. I went went back to the States to visit family and friends. um, And, and, you know, like I said, I was there for more than a month. And that was fascinating to to do after two years away, almost two years away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll be doing that yeah. about every two <laughs> years. I'll be going back to visit family and friends. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So has, has it, from your perspective, yeah. has America changed very much since the last time you had been here? You know, that's a little hard to say. Um my family mostly lives in places where, um, you know, the fight, if you will, has been happening for a while and is just getting harder. My perspective has changed a great deal. There, there are many things that I wouldn't ever have noticed before 
that were large in my vision, if you will, uh, this last visit. I mean, like uh, advertising um, is a small one, but just the y'all y'all have so many more commercials than there are <laughs> in, yeah. in Europe yeah. on on European TV, um, and and y'all have so many more pills that are marketed to you, um, pills and medical. Yeah related, you know, procedures and, and things like that. There was just a lot more of that than, than I see even here. And I'm not a big television watcher here, but um, the billboards. So yeah. I mean, I'll just, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it's kind of a thing. Um, it, it's sort of interesting. Well, the American society has become over-medicated in a way that's really kind of frightening because now there used to be a situation where if you had an illness, you would talk to your doctor about what's wrong with you. Now the commercials tell you, go tell your doctor you want this pill. Very different. Right. Very different angle. And right. And it's, it's subtle. Yeah. It, you know, it's like you're, instead of having the conversation of, hey, doc, what do I do? Now they want you to go in and tell the doctor what you want them to give you whether or not you even really mm-hmm. need it. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now it's like doctors mm-hmm. are trying to placate drug companies and their their clients as opposed to literally trying to help someone. Not all doctors are like this, obviously. But this is how marketing has changed medicine. And it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. It is. You know. On top of that, you're also required to be your own advocate. You're supposed to learn as much about what's going on with you so that you can go in and make sure that your doctor is, in fact, asking you the right questions and giving you the best care. So, I mean, you, you have to go in and, and, and advocate for yourself. This, this, is, this is what yeah. all the articles say. And, and I find that fascinating. You can't actually trust the medical establishment anymore. Um, in so many ways, but yeah. also that's why one reason why it's so expensive is people are suing their doctors like crazy. Um, really, for, I didn't you know, even realize human that. error. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's a lot of human mm-hmm. error. And where do you yeah, draw the line there. between between you know my doctor prescribed this or did you ask your doctor to prescribe it to you? I, I think advertising right. has really taught us that we need things that we don't actually necessarily need. Not that a lot, listen, a lot, oh, sure. and I'm neurodivergent too, you know, and I'm on certain medications for certain issues, but if I feel like I'm being prescribed too much of something or if I feel like this is a pill that may hurt me more than help me, you know, I'm fortunate enough, enough to have a doctor who says, Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what could happen. Let's talk about whether or not we want to pursue this route as opposed to other Mm -hmm. doctors I've had, which just want to say, here's a script. Take two of these. You'll feel better. Mm -hmm. Let me know. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. sending Mm -hmm. someone off Mm -hmm. will basically be a guinea pig for medication. Kind of scary. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Yeah, and yeah. and that was the thing I was but very, anyway. very well aware of while I was there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. So, you, yeah, you're, 
your observations are definitely on target for sure. <laughs> and Travel so that's magic. what's been up with me. So let's talk about this book because there has not been a lot written about travel magic. And I, I will be honest with you, that is not the book I expected you to write. I wasn't sure what I was expecting you to write, but this would not have been my guess, although it kind of should have been, I suppose. So how did the genesis of this book happen to come about? Honestly, I don't know. I, <laughs> this is not the book I expected to write. Uh, when I sat down, you know, a year plus or so ago, I I, I didn't. Uh, it was, uh, I I would almost, you know, I, I'm not a channeler. I don't have that ability. I don't sort of operate in that mode. Uh, but uh, I woke up one day and I had this idea and I just started writing about it. And next thing I knew, I had to write an outline because that was going to structure what I was about to write, but I I knew what I was going to write. I just, it was a matter of sitting down at my computer and putting it on metaphorical paper. It, this, um, this book came sort of whole cloth and, uh, in, and, and is actually, it's kind of, it's my favorite book of all the books I've written and I love all my books great deal I think yep. I yeah I know I know you know like of course you know an author would say that but I think I like to think I write interesting books about sort of unusual takes on things I'm not your I'm not typical and I'm certainly not um, someone who sort of says the same thing over and over again far from it uh, right. this book really came out of nowhere and was huge fun because I ended up kind of going back into my book of shadows, which I really should just call a tome of shadows at this point. It's just, I mean, I've been a witch since 1980. I've literally got decades of information that people have given me or I read or I wrote down or I experienced all the various ways we collect our information that I experienced, I did, I failed at. <laughs> And I was able to sort of go through it all and, you know, pull out, like, it's like I, I didn't realize how much I had until I went looking for it. And then it was like, oh, that's right. There's this wonderful charm. Oh, look, here's this wonderful hymn. And, oh, yeah, I remember that experience that I had. Let me... Let me share that. I mean, it's it's seriously the most personal book I've written and might ever write. I don't I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's kind of a bearing. All the images are mine. The drawings in there are mine, as uh, simple as they are. <laughs> um, but it's this is what I have done over many years. <laughs> yes. Wow. So you decided to start putting this together. Were there spells you had, like, maybe subconsciously written regarding travel that you had just put away or incantations that you had? Uh, it was, well, I don't know if it was subconscious. The words were subconscious. I didn't know what I was going to say until I said it. Um, but mm -hmm. um, the... The specific, you know, there's, I mean, there's a whole chapter, you know, chapter seven, the, the way I end the book is 
all nothing but spells and charms that are all travel related in a variety of ways and i've used every single one of them over my life um people don't know this about me, but I actually started traveling at a very young age relative to my peer group um, because my parents divorced when I was seven years old and my father lived on the East Coast and my mother lived on the West Coast. So while I mostly grew up on the West Coast, summers I would go back to the East Coast and spend with my father and my family who were there. Uh, So I was traveling by air, by car, by Winnebago, an RV, um, uh, cross country, you know, every year, several times a year. And, um, and even though I didn't actually leave the United States until I was in my twenties, and then even then it was just like Mexico and Canada. Um, I travel was sort of a part of what we did. We did road trips. We went camping in Yosemite. We just all piled into the car and went on a over, you know, long weekend camping trip. And uh-huh. so there was just all these little, I guess they call them hacks now, tricks, you know, life yeah. hacks, whatever, yeah. whatever the phrase life is. Hacks. Um, yep. that I've, I've just <laughs> been doing life hacks. There's the phrase. Yeah. You know that I've that I've been doing for years and um, are almost at a level of like superstitions for me. It's like, of course, yeah. you take a little bit of rosemary and tuck it in your your suitcase and then carry the other piece of it with you, and that way you don't lose your suitcase. Um, and you know, I I like to think I'm not actually tempting fate in the universe. I have yet to lose a suitcase. I've had one get delayed for a couple of hours but I've never actually lost yeah. a suitcase in my life and I've traveled a lot. Um, uh, you know, little, little things, you know, um, conversations with deity in the middle of the wilderness. Who did I talk to? You know, and then I'd get back to civilization and write that down and what that experience was about and could then turn it around to my reader, you know, and offer, offer some guidance. <laughs> as it were i i don't do? as you know you know me i don't think i've got the be all end all mm-hmm. yeah no i know but you have a lot of information what i was going to ask you is did you do a lot of solo traveling when you were young because of the divorce uh i was probably always traveling with my sister who's younger than me so no i was never there was a there were a couple of trips there were some illness things um i got put on a plane by myself um or i was the only child in a group of adults which is the next best thing to solo travel quite honestly yeah uh but for me it was never an issue because i'm a great traveler give me a book and and I'm gone. I don't care what's going on around me. I I read through a different universe, um, and uh, uh, and I don't get motion sickness. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You're very lucky because I if I'm not driving, I'm pretty much not even fucking going. Because I will tell you, my mother and I mm. had a, a a near miss in the air um, when I was in my early 20s, and I have been terrified of flying ever since. 
and I would assume oh. you have words of wisdom and spells for people who are shitty travelers like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you that I, too, had a nightmare uh, of a flight. Um, I mean, like, literally, it was so bad that... Um, People were getting knocked out of their seats. Their seat belts were coming loose, and they were getting knocked out of the seats onto the floor. Um, that was how bad the turbulence was. And um, in a lightning storm outside of, I think it was Houston, somewhere down in, in Texas. And, uh, and I didn't want to fly the next day. It was the first time I'd ever had so bad an encounter in the air that I didn't want to finish my trip and um, (laughs) and that was that was tough so I had a long conversation with deity and there is a thing Uh I do every time I fly now which is I imagine my deity of choice which in this case is Mercury I imagine uh, him sort of picking the plane up and in my mind I see a little dot on the map as it goes from where I am to where I am landing and his hands guiding the plane from one place to the other. And when we actually land, I see him push, putting the, the plane down and letting it go. And that is my safe travel mental image, if you will, uh, that I work with. And, and in the book, I forget what page it's on, I actually have a little chant that I do along with that where I... I basically say, thank you for taking care of me. I really appreciate you looking after me. See me home or see me to my place. And um, yeah. it calms me very much. And I, I think it would work with almost any deity, if you have a, whoever your personal deity is, if you have one, um, or, or just the, the, the image of safe giving hands picking you up from the ground yeah. and then letting you down again. Um, yeah. Because actually airline travel is incredibly safe in so many ways. So I yeah. can reassure you about well, that. I, I know that intellectually, yeah. but in actual practice, I have to this day, I still have nightmares about being on a plane that is crashing. Mm-hmm. And it's really been oh, something mm-hmm. that I have not been able to shake so I'm hoping if I work with your Mm. book that I will somehow be able to and I know it's irrational I know it makes no sense I know that it's much safer to be in a plane than a car well yeah but the thing is is it is rational you're you're absolutely right these are tin cans flying through the air I don't know how they I don't know how it works. I don't know how flying occurs. You know, I mean, no. Right. I, so I want to actually want to reassure you. It's an entirely rational fear. You're doing something no animal would do voluntarily. <laughs> I mean, you know. Without hey, I mean, it's, it's, I'm yeah. actually the same way about. Um, right, exactly. Unless they have wings of their own, um, I'm the same way about um, uh, sky jumping. It's like, why would you propel yourself out of a perfectly good airplane? I mean, you know, I'm sure the view is nice, yes. whatever. But but there's the the <laughs> land, you know. 
I down there, seriously. you know. I, no, no. I have a thing about not <laughs> wanting to go splat somewhere. I'm just saying, you know. I, I mean, I know that exactly. I could, I know I could survive a car crash probably a lot better than I could survive a plane crash. So that's, you know, that's the other thing yes. that occurs to me. And I will tell you that this trip with my mother was so horrific. We saw the underside of the plane that almost hit us as it was going over us. It was oh. terrifying. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. That is terrifying. Yeah, it, 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 it destroyed me for traveling. And it, it's been a real problem because there were so many places I would love to go and see. I'd even love to come and see you. Mm-hmm. And I can't because I'm so <laughs> terrified of airplanes. So I'm, I mean, I'm looking to your book to kind of help me get over or at least be able to nullify some of my more irrational fears. You know, just because you're in the air and it's shaking a little doesn't mean it's falling out of the sky. There is turbulence. There is wind right. shear. There are all kinds right. of things that occur naturally mm-hmm. with something as unnatural as an airplane flying through the air. But it has really right. kind of stunted my enjoyment of life to be this fearful. Yeah. Then for that alone, I do, in fact, encourage you to, to work with it because you sh- I don't want you to be yeah. held back. I mean, that's I, – I, oh, yeah. I will tell you, though, my great secret when it comes right down to it okay. is some people uh-huh. will call this fatalistic, but I'm actually not afraid of dying. Yeah, I just don't want – it's the fear that scares me, not the pain. My fear is fear. My fear is not mm pain. I think you're on on to something very interesting there that you can work with. Because there's there's power there for you to work with there. Yeah, think think about that because – yeah. Okay. I mean, there have been moments when I've been like, well, if this is it, it really sucks that I'm not with my husband when I'm going down because he's going to be incredibly sad. And I mean, you know, like yeah. I have literally thought that, you know, um, and other times when I thought, well, at least he's next to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but there's a point where it's like, together. I can't control this. We're going together. Exactly. It's like, I can't control this. Yeah. So. I I I don't worry about the things that I can't control, um, and I do lots of things to control all the other stuff, you know, that kind of goes through. And and I think I think magic helps, charms, talismans, talking to deity, um, paying attention to your intuition. Do you you know? Does it say don't get on? Don't get on. You know, if you, there's yeah. there's plenty of stories of people who are like, I was going to take that flight and I changed my mind at the last minute. Okay, great. You know, it's a change fee. Yeah, and I get on I get on the flight that makes you feel that good. Very question. Yeah, well, I've asked myself that very question. It's like, am I talking myself out of this, or is something mm-hmm. going to happen just because I get on that plane? So I have questioned as a Libra. I have questioned myself mm-hmm. seven ways to Sunday about what's <laughs> rational, what's irrational, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And no other form of travel freaks me out. I'm not afraid of boats. I'm not afraid of trains. I'm not afraid of buses. I'm certainly not afraid to drive. Mm-hmm. I love to drive. But mm-hmm. something about being in the air messes with my head now 
so much that it's, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. Now, I will tell you that my mother, who was with me when this happened, who was literally screaming on the plane and terrified, has since been to many other countries and flown many other times. And I'm like, I do not understand why it affected you in the moment as badly as it did. And for me, it was more of a long-term effect because she has gone Mm -hmm. all over the world since then. And I just can't. I still live in that fear. It's really, it's shitty. It's really shitty. I've got to learn to it. It sounds go. like it's really irritating you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well irritated by most of my life, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in situations where I'm like, ah, shit, I'm not going to make it home for dinner because I thought maybe I would wind up dead somewhere. I have weird-ass dreams about being alone in a strange city, in the dark, mm-hmm. not knowing where I'm going, being in another country, and the entire power grid goes down, and all vehicles mm-hmm. stop running, and it's just, I mean, I have, I guess they're doomsday scenario dreams. I probably need to get help. <laughs> I just have crazy dreams. It's true. I just have really crazy, crazy dreams. But I wonder how much be powerful. it stems from that one instance. It it really can mm-hmm. if it gets a hold of you and it can instill a, instill a fear in you. That's why I think it's so mm-hmm. fascinating that you actually wrote a book about travel magic because I've not seen anything like it out of anybody else. You know, I took a look at the market and as far as I could tell, quite literally, there is no other writing on travel magic. There are blog posts. There are individual little like in a book there'll be a spell a charm a talisman uh a little bit of a mention you know we were joking before we got on the call here scott cunningham wrote about it a little bit because scott cunningham wrote about everything Mm -hmm. at some time or another you know know, bless his soul and all that um the one book i did find and i want to call this out because i think it's a it's a little gem of a book in its own way uh, Cal Garrison in about 2002 wrote a book called Witch on the Go. It's from Red Wheel Wiser. I think it's still in print, um, although I don't think it's Kindle. Maybe. Um, and Cal Garrison is an, a, an amazing woman. She is an astrologer. She is fantastic at her stuff. And it's a, it's a charming little book, um, you know, Witch on the Go. Her focus, though, was very much on the idea that of when you leave your house, you're on the go. So it's a little bit more commute-oriented, you know, going about your daily life sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I, I love it. I love the book. Um, I, I used to know Cal years ago, um, and so I highly re- recommend it. But that's like the only other book of travel magic that's out there and my focus as you know is much more anytime we leave our house we have the opportunity to encounter the other which is what most of us travel to do is to have to go somewhere else to be 
elsewhere, right, like not in our normal environments to provoke something. It's, maybe it's provoking relaxation. Maybe it's provoking a new perspective. You know, sometimes it's for adventure. Sometimes it's to unplug. But, you know, travel is something we, un- we, we can undertake in a conscious way to actually make something of it without having it to be a big deal. Like you don't need to go to an ashram to get a new perspective on life. You, you know, you don't need to go to India. You know, if you live in Tucson, Arizona, it could be as simple as going to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, and, or just down the road. Um, and I just went blank on another city in, in Arizona, but you know, um, yeah, it's travel is travel is liminal and we have been traveling, journeying, moving from one place to another. This is part of what we do as humans and that's as much what this book is about as anything else. Um because there are ways because it's always a little scary. Your fear of getting on a plane is is sort of a large fear, but Travel is rarely smooth and uncomplicated and a hundred percent fun. I mean, we all have our our stories, right? But even if it's as small as the mosquito that got in the room, or as large as your flight got canceled and you missed the connection, um, you know, to the once in a lifetime event and that you didn't get to go to. You know, there's, there's a whole range in there, you know. Uh, two, walking down streets where you suddenly realize you're completely lost in a city and you don't speak the language and, and um, you feel incredibly vulnerable. I mean, yeah. those, are, those are just part of the travel stories as well. Uh, and there's things you can do. And this is, my book is very practical about these things as well as esoteric. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic because... You know, I think as a person who has been known a little bit to be a control freak, which I am, um, <laughs> as much as I can have in my control, I think that is a confidence booster. Obviously, there's certain aspects of travel that no one can control. I mean, you've, you've been very clear about that. And I think, but if you can control all the things that are within your power, you might feel, you, the general you, might feel more empowered to take some actions that you hadn't taken before. Mm-hmm. The book is really about empowerment during travel. Tell me, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think the reason is, is for people to not consider magic more when they're traveling? Because you know, normally when we're going on a trip. We're not necessarily, depending on what the trip is about, we're, we're so excited to actually be going somewhere that I think oftentimes magic doesn't even enter into it. I wonder why that is. Uh, I suspect it is because it's too mundane in a, in a weird, <laughs> you know, for all that. I know, I know. Right. Because, I mean, because travel is, is sort of um, – is often uh, like a little celebration. It's a treat. It's, you know, sometimes it's purely obligatory as we move into the holiday season, right? Some some travel we do is just like, oh, no, not Edna again. 
you know, um, but right. Uh, but it's, it's, it somehow seems so different that we don't think about, you know, doing magic with it on top of which many of us have tools that we use to do magic and, Mm-hmm. Uh, I will never recommend that you bring your asame on board a plane. <laughs> you lose it. I knew that was coming. Okay. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, that's the easy oh, one. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So knife going you know, down. Or even see that piece again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know. TSA has got you. Exactly. You know. I mean, so so we don't bring our tools with us when we travel. Right. And and that's a big deal. I mean, that's a big reason why most people don't think about doing magic, which is actually why I've got a whole little thing in there on um, magic on the go, using items literally you will find in basically any hotel in the world mm-hmm. to do on-the-fly magic for, you know, a variety of little things. Um, or Or objects you can bring with you that are practical as well as, you know, yeah. can potentially be magical. Um, and like a mirror, compact mirror, it's great for protection magic. And most of us need a mirror at some point, you know, because that's the other thing about why we don't usually think about doing magic. How many of us travel in a way where we can bring everything and anything we want? No, we can't. We're, we're limited by money or the size of our luggage or the length of our trip or you know, half a dozen factors. So making room for our ritual robe is probably pretty low on the list uh, of of items. Yeah, very true. And and I think that's that's actually, to kind of go back to your original question for me, I think that is actually sort of part of the genesis of how I had to write travel magic because I spent nearly a year without any of my tools without you know having shed everything I previously owned practically I had to pack away you know the few ritual items that came with me to Portugal Uh, they didn't come out for almost a full year and so I was constantly having to figure out what I was going to do instead to still get in a ritual frame of mind to still do my magic to still worship and participate in ritual with my circle and my coven and uh, that taught me a lot about how magic works and how it doesn't work um and why we use tools and all all it was great it was it was like a refresher it was like a back to basics kind of a thing and uh uh, for all that I have taught the basics to, to newcomers for years, it was I literally went back to it. And yeah. a lot of those things I, I talk about, I offer now from a new perspective of, okay, so you're in the middle of nowhere. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> right. I've got to ask you this question, and it, it doesn't even have to, the answer doesn't even have to be magical. Um, but because you've traveled so, so much and you have so much experience in this field, 
what is the most common mistake that people make when they're traveling overseas? Presuming that the people you are visiting are like you. Oh! <laughs> Which uh, I will tell you that is, uh, that's the hardest one to break out of. But, uh, so, and actually, and I'll break that down just a little bit. It comes down to two Please. things. One, okay. uh, both of which are research-based, which is that before you travel, learn at least five phrases in the language of the people you're visiting, presuming it's, it's not your native language. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and then be prepared to have the locals correct you <laughs> yeah. and, be, and be cheerful about it would be sort of the sub of that. And then the second thing I think is the most important is learn, learn some cultural mores. Um, for example, in Portugal, when you enter any establishment, any establishment, um, from a large grocery chain to uh, a private shoemaker, okay, um, you, when you enter in, you look for the person in charge or someone, or someone who works there. If it's just a grocery chain, you could just look for someone who works there. It's usually like a, there's, there'll be someone standing by the entrance, like a security guard or a manager, one or the other. Excuse me. And you look them in the eye and you say, good day. Whether it's good morning or good afternoon. You say, hola, hello, and then good day. And bob your head a little bit and they bob your head back. And that's it. You need to do that. And then when you walk up to the cash register, you repeat it again to the person who's at the cash register. Yeah. If you don't do that, first of all, you mark yourself as a foreigner, and secondly, you mark yourself as someone who's rude. Because ah. that's what they do. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very good and it's, to it's know. the tiniest Wait. thing. It's, it's, yeah. 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 It's, I mean, and it's so different from America because in America – you don't want to interact with the salespeople because the salespeople have been taught that if you interact with them, they have the opportunity to make a sale. And they are on you and in your face. And you, you, mean, it's like you just don't want that yet. You just, you, just, you just want to go and look at the bloody thing before you buy it. Or you just want the milk. No, you don't want to talk about the time of day. You know, whereas in Portugal... It's a relationship, and especially if, it, if, you know, here we go to the same grocery store almost every day because we have a very tiny refrigerator, and so we're in and out of there almost every day. We know the cashiers, we, not by name, no, but we see them every single day, and they know us, you know, by face. You know, if that, that's it. That's all, you know. That's, that's all you need. So it satisfies our American need no. for privacy. <laughs> Yes, but I think it's important, and I think we forget to do that. But the interesting thing while you were saying all of this, it reminded me of the culture shock I had as a New Yorker coming to live in the South. Mm. And I should have done more research because there were things that are done in the South that are not done in New York. For example, if you're on a subway in New York, you are taught at an early age to not make eye contact. Um, down here in the South, if you're on public transportation and somebody smiles at you, it's rude to not smile back. 
It's not yeah. as private. And people yeah. in the South want more interaction than people in the North, you know, which is why New Yorkers are so sometimes known for being rude because we're taught to keep to ourselves and mind our own business and not get involved in all of those things. But here in the South, mm-hmm. it's like you're not being neighborly if you do that. So it's, it's mm-hmm. now I'm more Southern than New York, I think, because I smile at everybody. <laughs> and I remember one of the last times I had gone to New York and needed to use the train, um, someone looked in my direction and I smiled and they looked away like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> You know, I lived in. I I totally understand what you're saying. I lived in New York for seven years after college, and yeah, it took me forever to go from my California neutral, you know, as I thought Uh it neutral, to you know, to the don't look at people, you know, sort of New York attitude. And it's, you know, it is funny because New Yorkers are thought of as kind of being rude and all that. No, no, but because the thing is, is you actually talk to them, like you ask a question or you need directions or something. They're the nicest people in the world. I mean, they're not going to walk you to the place that you need to go, which, by the way, but they will tell you specific directions to get you to go. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. So here's here's a Portugal story for you, which blows my mind every time I think about it. My husband had to get um, some pants tailored. And so we went to his dry cleaner, right? Like we do. We go to your dry cleaner. And she's like, I can't do that. This is all, by the way, happening in another language. So add a level right. of huh and, and gestures. And he's like, yeah. okay, so, and she's like, we'll go to a tailor. And so he looks up tailor on Google and, oh, look, there's one over here. And so he goes over there and the place is closed. There's no signage, no idea. And he's like, and he needed it like by the next day. So he he texts me and says, what am I going to do now? And I'm like, okay, go to a bridal store because bridal stores always have alterations. And so he's like, yeah. okay. Fine. So he walks in Fine. and they're like, no, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. He, and, he, and so this, these women are all like, what is this man doing here? And he try, you know, he's explaining and goes back and forth. And finally the woman's like, come with me. And she walks him down the street into a a women's clothing store, not a, not a, you know, not a men's clothing store, but a women's clothing store. Conversation ensues, which I'm sure included some level of, okay, big American here has no idea. Can you help him out? And the woman looks at my husband and in, in English says, so you need some pants tailored. He's like, oh, thank goodness. yes, yes, I do. And she's like, okay, I'll take care of it for you. I don't usually do that, but I'll take care of it for you. And he's like, great. I'm so glad your friend could help me. And she's like, oh, I never met this woman before. Oh, my God. Okay. So, <laughs> right. Right, exactly. But, you know, she had walked him down the street to a place, and she was prepared to walk him to a different place if that one didn't work out. She was going to see this through, you know, and, and, wow. and no, no payment, no nothing. And it was a wedding store. It's not like we can go in and, like, buy something as thanks, or, you know. That, right. that ship is long sailed. So, but that's just just a thing that they'll do. Like they'll get invested in wow. seeing it through, and and will walk you, you know, from place to place. Now, I don't. I'm not going to claim this is what happens in Lisboa or Porto. You know, those big cities. My city. This is this is a thing that happens. <laughs> this is one reason I love it here. 
awesome. There's this real humanity where people are actually concerned enough. I mean, it's not like you should invest your total life into somebody else's story, but the idea that someone will make sure that you're okay or at least getting what you need, that's, that's just a level of humanity that has been so lost in America, don't you think? I I think it's there a lot more than than people are aware of, but I think yeah. it's also harder to get to. I've, and I and I think yeah. people have a harder time letting themselves be that way because because the level of scam is so high or feels so high or there's a lot of fear and and that fear doesn't exist in the same way here um, and. Although, if you, if, as, as we're winding towards the end of our hour together here, if you'll let me, I think one of the, the things to remember about travel is that humans have been traveling since the very beginning of our existence, right? And this is actually one of my more uh, joyous discoveries in writing this book uh, is it's it's been scary for so long, and so some of the magic I have brought forward are very old, ancient spells, uh, a little a little reworked for the modern time. Um, but uh, it's really exciting to me because um, to to be reminded so consistently that we've been doing magic spells for travel for centuries, um, and yeah. and I'll tell you a little story just just come across my social media the other day, uh, archaeologists in uh, Turkey, I think it is, just unearthed a new portion of a dig that they've been working on for a while, and they found a pair of sandals that the, upon the soles of which were inscribed a magic spell to keep the wearer safe while journeying, and that was from approximately 350 A.D. Wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I yeah. love that. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, that that gives me hope that maybe with your book and some practice, I'll be able to get over some of my travel fears. I'm thinking so. <laughs> I, I would wish so. that for you. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Gosh, I, we haven't <laughs> talked in so long. We gotta, we gotta catch up more often, lady. We just do. Um, but since we are almost at the end of the hour, oh my gosh, tell people how they can find you and all of your amazing books. <laughs> uh, all of my amazing books uh, are to be found online and at local bookstores. If they don't have them, ask for it. Have them ask for it and order it. Yep. Um, and I can always be found online in all of my quiet, humble glory at lisamcherry.com. It's the website. It's my name. It's pretty easy to remember. Uh, on Facebook, you can find me under Lisa McSherry Author. I also have an Instagram account, Lisa L. McSherry Author. Um, those are the best ones to find me at. And, um, and I really, as you know, I love to hear from people. I love to talk to people yeah. about what's going on and questions and you know, where, you know, come see me talk someplace and ask for a copy of my presentation and, you know, all, all of those fun things. I, I, we're, I happen to think we have an amazing community and I love being a part of it. That's wonderful. 
that is just wonderful. <laughs> Are you speaking anywhere publicly in, in the upcoming months? I am not. I have just finished a couple. I did a, a talk with uh, Changing Times, Changing Worlds, um, and uh, and then a talk with the Scottish Goddess Conference, which I'll probably be doing again next year. So that's awesome. one to go look at. I think next year I might even be live in Scotland to do my talk. Uh, uh, it's a hybrid conference, both live and virtual presenters, which I tell people this is really exciting. Support the people who are doing virtual conferences, not just because people like me can talk there, but because so many uh, pagans can't make it to the live conferences. I mean, I would love to go to Mystic South, for example. The likelihood of me making it there, even to see you, like you spoke last year, um, was, is just really low for me to be able to make it there. Um, and But if they had it you know, televised, if they recorded it, then, you know, I could participate that way. Um, well, I would certainly suggest that as, a, as something to think about. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Um, yeah, because I, I always think about it. It's like, oh, I wish Lisa would come to this. I'd love to see her in person, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, right. you know, we're, we're, we're slowly getting more world interactive um, and, I, I look forward to be able, being able to do stuff like that because I think I think all of that is at hand and 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 not far off from being available. But mm-hmm. in any event, the book is Travel Magic. Lisa McSherry, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with me for the hour. It's been fantastic as always. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, and we'll speak again at some point. And I'm saying that for a at reason, and she knows why. It's a it's a it's a private <laughs> joke. Sorry, guys. All right, girl. I will be in touch. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. She's so awesome. Anyway, travel magic. If you do any kind of traveling, or if you're like me and you are afraid of certain aspects of travel. I highly recommend uh, Travel Magic just for peace of mind, tips and tricks, rituals, spells, charms, incantations, all of the things. Um, yeah, because when I'm going somewhere, sometimes I actually, in my in my life, I forget that I'm a witch for five minutes. Um, and I'm sure if I do that, some of y'all do it too. But anyway, all right, guys, I will see you next week. Container Magic, I'm so excited about this episode. Container Magic with uh, Charity Fidel, and I have, oh, yes, Pamela Chen is coming on to hang out with me the day after Thanksgiving, and we're going to talk about Tarot of the Owls, so I'm really excited about that, too. All right, guys, once again, check out WickedWitchStudios.com for the blessing balls and all of your witching needs. Love you guys. See you later.